It's good to have you all back with us today. Last week we talked about one thing that I wanted you to leave here with, and that was the shadow ministry. Each and every one of us has a shadow ministry. Each and every one of us has people that we influence on a daily basis, whether we anticipate it or not. We influence them for the good or for the bad, for better or for worse. And these are shadow ministries that we have in our lives. And today I want to leave us with one thought as well. And that is the full message of life. Uh, Join me in the fifth chapter of Acts. I'm going to begin reading in verse 17, read through verse 21. The Bible says, Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of life, or the whole message of life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. Boy, I just love this. Peter and John were arrested earlier, if you'll remember, for proclaiming Jesus Christ. And they spent the night in jail, and the next day they appeared before the Sanhedrin. Now they're arrested a second time. Why were they arrested this time? The Sadducees would probably say, why not? Three reasons. First of all, they did not obey their orders to stop preaching about Jesus. Remember? Peter and John said, what would you rather us do? Obey God or man? Now, you're talking to religious leaders of the Jewish nation. You want us to obey God or obey man? Well, of course, their response would have to be at least verbally obey God. In their hearts, they're saying, no, obey us. So, They continued to preach about Jesus. A couple of months ago, as far as they were concerned, they took care of this Jesus of Nazareth, this one who had come into this world and and claimed to be the Son of God. And then the audacity of these disciples, uh, that after they had seen him crucified, killed, put in a tomb, they were proclaiming his resurrection, that he was still alive. And that was just more than they could handle. But they did not stop talking about Jesus. They had specifically asked them not to do it. Well, secondly, they were proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. Now you remember that the Sanhedrin was comprised of some 70 men plus the high priest. Most of those on the Sanhedrin were the Sadducees. They were of that party of Jewish faith that did not believe in a resurrection. And so here are these uneducated, unschooled fishermen from Galilee that are saying that Jesus was resurrected. A, they don't believe it. B, they didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. So that's just two strikes against them. So we have the third reason. They were consumed with jealousy. You see, the Bible says 
They weren't filled with the Spirit. They were filled with jealousy. Why were they jealous? Well, just look at them. The Sadducees, all of their lives were selected, they were anointed, they were ordained, they were educated, they were gifted, they were, they were trained to do what they're doing, but had no power. They had training, they had no power. And look at these two guys before them. Peter and John, excuse me, fishermen, professional fishermen, Ugh, they were neither gifted or trained or called or, or educated or, or schooled in the, in the religious schools. But they had power. Amen. You had the educated, trained people with no power who were jealous of those who were uneducated and untrained with power. They were jealous. That's the bottom line. The other things are just smoke screens. The bottom line is they were jealous. And now I want to, this little piece of irony only God can do. Because notice how they got out of the jail. During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. You know what else Sadducees didn't believe in? Angels. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in demons. And an angel was the one that released Peter and John. I don't know. I love God's irony. You know, if anybody can pull it off, God will pull it off. And he can pull it off, and he does. And I love the irony of the issue. Not only is Jesus resurrected, take that. But an angel released Peter and John, take that. You believe what you want to, God is saying, but here's the truth. And here's the way it is. Now, the word life, when they, the angel told them to preach this full or whole message of life, and they immediately went and sent up, they went into the temple courts and began preaching this whole message or this full message of life. Today, I want to talk to you about the full message of life. What is it? You and I uh, sometimes are caught with only proclaiming a portion of that life that we have in Jesus Christ, and we don't really get the full message in there for some reason. What is that? Well, it starts when we were released from prison. You see, all of us who have sinned and come short of the glory of God but have not trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior have been imprisoned by our own desires, our own lust, our own uh, thing. We think that life is what the world defines it as. How does the world define life? It says this, it's being a successful person. It's working so many hours a day. It's, it's achieving so many things. It's uh, acquiring so many physical assets. It's, it's having the better home, having uh, the good-looking family, doing all of these things. This is your pursuit. This is what life throws at you when you enter into adulthood. And we spend our lives pursuing it. Now, don't ever think that God has been for one moment surprised by the coronavirus. Some people just think that he's up there, up in heaven, thinking, oh my gosh, look what's going on down there. I had no idea. And some people just think that God has just been caught off guard. 
what has happened is God has, has used coronavirus to sequester us, to, to put us into our homes to reevaluate our lives. And I'm seeing people, more and more people are either emailing me or texting me or I'm seeing it in some other form of communication, email, etc., where they're, people are actually going back to their Bibles. They're looking at online Bible studies. We have more people uh, watching these sermons and Bible studies than we do on a normal basis because we're online. What does that tell you? People are beginning to reevaluate. They, they, those who have been required to stay home from work are all of a sudden realizing, I don't really think work has become the fulfilling thing that I was told it would become. People who have stayed home have come to realize the importance of their families. They've come to realize how important it is to spend time with their children, time with their spouses, to spend time alone and in conversation, actually, and not involved in some other activity. Well, we also realize that some of the things that we thought we really needed aren't that necessary. So we have four things that I want to leave with you about life. What is life? How do we pursue it? Point number one, life is synonymous with Jesus himself. I think we see that in the scripture. When you see life, it always directs itself. It always points at Jesus Christ. John 1.4 said, in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men. 1 John 1, 1 through 2 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it, and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Jesus was life. Jesus is life. Jesus always will be life. If you want to know life, know Jesus. If Jesus is all you have, Jesus is all you need. If Jesus is life, then the only way that you and I can really consider being alive and living is to know Jesus. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. In the Scriptures, in the beginning was the Word, The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as of the only begotten Son of God. He is life. He is life. Secondly, life is abundant. Jesus said in John 10.10, The thief comes in to steal, to kill, to destroy. That would be Satan in his work. But I, Jesus said, have come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. Jesus came that we might have abundant life. What exactly does that mean? Because if you don't know Jesus, you're not having an abundant life. I don't care what you have acquired, how many accolades that you have, whatever degrees are behind your name or whatever else you have achieved. Until you know Jesus, you cannot know life in its fullest. I'm come that you might have life and then you might have it more abundantly. Jesus said, wow. You see, Jesus gives us everything we need to understand why we were created in the beginning. 
why God had this plan in the first place. Jesus gives us all we need to sustain life. In the scriptures, he said that he is water to the woman at the well in John 4. He said, whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. He said he's the bread of life. Bread and water was the substance that would sustain life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. In John 6.35. He is bread and water. He is the sustenance that we need for a daily existence on this planet earth. 1 John 5.12 said, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. There's no gray area there, folks. You can debate it all you want to, but it's folly. He who has the Son has life. Do you have the Son of God, Jesus Christ? If you don't, you don't have life. I mean, those who are listening to this message must have to ask themselves, do, do, I, know, do I have life? Am I really living? Or is it a matter of just simply going through life breathing? Because life is not measured by the number of breaths you take. It's measured by the moments that take your breath away. And those moments are found in Jesus Christ. He takes my breath away every day. I find these little miracles in my life that just pop up, and I'm awed by God on a daily basis. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Life is abundant. Life is eternal. You know, one thing about the coronavirus, people are actually starting to realize maybe they're not going to live as long as they think they're going to live. Whatever it takes for God to get that message across, folks, he knows how to use a two-by-four to get our attention. And if he hasn't used one on you yet, he's going to. Okay? God uses these reminders that we are transitional. We are in a transition in, on planet Earth today. We are transitioning from, from birth to eternal life. Now, the problem is not that we're going to die. The real problem is where we're going to spend eternity. That's the real question. Because the death rate in Hillsborough County is going to be 100%. And I don't care where you are in your county and you're listening into this broadcast, your county is the same way. I hate to tell you, unless the, if the Lord lingers, you will die. But life is eternal. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes that God has placed eternity in the hearts of man. He created us for one purpose, and that's to live with Him. You see, in the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, He created them for what? For fellowship with Him. He created us in His own image. We are created not a body with a soul. We are created a soul that inhabits a body. This body will remain on earth. The soul will go on. The soul is everything that we are. It's our consciousness. It's all about who we are. We are created living souls. We're the only creature on the planet earth that is created as living souls. And so when God created Adam and Eve in his own image, he 
the Bible says, walk with them in the cool of the afternoon, and what a great image that is. But God created us for eternity, that we might understand that life on planet Earth is a life that is simply training us, preparing us to step over the threshold into eternity where you spend eternity either with God or completely separated from God, it's your decision. It's your decision. Don't ever think you've got tomorrow. I mean, the Lord could come back today, and it's all over for us all. Then comes the judgment later on. Or, I mean, we could have some kind of accident on the way home. You could have a coronary on the way home. You know, I'm not being light about this. I am telling you that God has created us for eternity. Life is eternal. John 3.16, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that the condition, whosoever, whosoever, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, what your background is, all the footnotes, all the asterisks that have been placed by your life, none of that matters. Whosoever believes in him, in Jesus, shall what? What's the promise? Not perish, but have eternal life. At the, thr- at the grave of Lazarus, Jesus told Mary and Martha in John eleven twenty five 25 through 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And anyone, everyone, that you and me who lives and believes in Jesus, he said, shall never die. Shall never die. That one second, one second after your body goes, you're declared dead. You're standing in the presence of Jesus if you believe. If you don't believe in Jesus... For all eternity, you'll be separated from him. And I just cannot imagine the horror of that. In John 6, 47, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. In John 6, 40, Jesus says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. It's God's will. He created you in his image. He wants you to spend eternity with him. Here's the condition, though. You must believe in His only begotten Son, Jesus. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's that easy. Wow. So, life is eternal. What's it going to be like? I have no idea. I have a little bit of an idea. I fantasize about it. But when the Scripture says, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, it's not even entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those of us that love him. I believe that. I can't even comprehend it. As the song says, I can only imagine. I can just imagine the things that, that people that have gone on before me who trusted in Jesus Christ are experiencing right now. What a blessing that is. What a, it's just hard to put you, wrap your brain around it. You just can't do it. Jesus said, Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. 
What? If Jesus prepares it, you think it won't be perfect? It'll be perfect. Perfect. Life is eternal. Well, and then finally, life is relational. You see, when God created Adam and Eve to have fellowship with himself, man sinned. Woman sinned. They both sinned. And when they sinned, it separated them from God because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so from that point on, Adam and Eve being evicted from the Garden of Eden spent their days trying to reach God in their own effort. That's what religion's all about, reaching God in your own effort. And all you travel all over the world and people are, are religiously trying to seek God in their own effort, chanting lighting incense, lighting candles, saying prayers, whatever the case might be, the religious effort to reach God in, their, in man's own abilities. But it got really confused over the generations. God saw man was struggling. We, he gave the law to Moses to try to help them have some parameters of behavior. And that got dis disconnected and so God did what only man could understand by giving us another person in the flesh his only begotten son who was perfect and through Jesus we have access to the father God was in Christ reconciling bringing the world together God was in Christ reconciling the world into himself That's what Jesus' mission was here, to be the bridge between man and God, to bring man and God, God's ultimate creation, the crown of God's creation, to bring man and God back, back together again. Jesus had that ministry, according to 2 Corinthians 5, that ministry of reconciliation to bring man and God together again. To have fellowship with Him, not only through the abundant life that we experience here on this earth, but through eternity. So it is a relationship. Jesus said in John 12, 44, when a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. You believe in me, you believe in the Father, Jesus was saying. You believe in the Father, you believe in me. If you don't know me, you don't know the Father. You can't know the Father if you don't know Jesus Christ. These are not my words. These are Jesus' words. And he's, so that life becomes relational between you and God the Father by trusting and believing in Jesus Christ. We relate to God on a daily basis. We begin to read the Scriptures and things begin to pop out that we didn't see before. Things begin to come clearer. The Holy Spirit begins to reveal to us things of, of the truth of God that we hadn't really seen before. You can say, well, when I was a kid, I picked up the Bible and I began to read it. Maybe as an adult, I began to read the pages, but it didn't make sense until I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then it became a relationship. All of a sudden, I didn't see it just as 66 books in the Bible. I began to see it as God's love letter to me that he gave it to through Jesus Christ. Wow. Then he says, not only does it give us a new relationship with God the Father, but it gives us a relationship with each other. 
You see, we're not a club. We're a family. We're not just a social group. We're a family. We're God's forever family. Those of us that have trusted Jesus Christ are part of God's forever family. You have been born into this family of God. And I've got brothers and sisters that I've never met. All over the world, from generations backwards to the time of Christ. I've got people from every continent in the world. I've got people from every walk of life that I've never met. And one day around that Feast of the Lamb, well, that's going to be a long table. You know, you think about that. Pass me the butter. And it's all the way at the far. Just an image. Think about the fact that when Jesus came, he gave us an opportunity to have a relationship with one another through himself that we can never experience any other way. And it's an intimacy, and it's a, it's a reality, it's an openness that we have with one another that we can never experience any other way. Life becomes relational. 1 John 1.3 says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You can't know the Father until you know Jesus Christ. You can't know each other intimately through koinonia, through fellowship, until you know Jesus Christ. But when you know Jesus Christ, you begin to find a relationship with each other that you never had before. And it's one that is really fulfilling, really deep. You know... I know there are people in this audience, either in their living rooms or wherever they're watching this or here personally, that are longing for this life. I know that. You know it. Some of you are longing for that. You, you've been through this experience for the past few months, and you know there's, there's got to be something more. I can tell you what it is. It's Jesus Christ. He is the answer to all of your questions. He answers questions that you never ask. He answers questions that you never think about. He is the ultimate answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no one comes to the Father but through me. I am the door. By me, if any man shall enter in, he shall be saved. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the only answer. Regardless of what your question is, now or in the future, He's the only answer. And so, take your problems to Him. Come to Him. He's like today opening His arms wide to you here at this altar. And He says to you, come. All you who labor and are heavy laden, come. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Would you stand with me for prayer? For each and every one of us today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're looking for a church home, if you're looking for a relationship with Jesus, Whatever you're looking for, this is your invitation. If you'd simply slip out into the aisle now and come forward and 
just stand here on the pew. Stand by the pew in the front. I'll be more than happy to pray with you about your decision during this time of invitation. For those of you that are watching online, just simply bow your heads where you are. Lord Jesus, we give our hearts to you. We give our lives to you. Forgive us our sins, Father, for our disobedience. Come into our hearts and make us what you want us to be. And thank you. Lord, thank you for these decisions that are being made. For these who are looking for a church home, a church family, thank you for that. Father, we just thank you for what you're accomplishing in our lives. The joy that we have in Jesus. Father, may we proclaim this full message of life, leaving nothing out. Nothing. May we proclaim you as life, your abundance that you give us in life, your eternity and the fellowship that we have with the Father through you and through with one another. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for your attendance and may your day go and your week go in accordance with the will of God. Be blessed, each and every one of you.